Hello and welcome to episode 191 of the Redbox Report, the weekly movie podcast where we review the latest Blu-rays and DVD releases for Redbox. I'm your host, Bob Phelan. I'm your co-host, Joel Phelan. And on this episode of the podcast, we're going to review the <laughs> Sundance hit from last year, Hunt for the Wilder People, as well as count down our top five most anticipated movies from Sundance of this year. We'll also go over the Oscar nominations, see what they got right, what they got wrong, talk about what else we watched, a little pre-judgment day, some news items. We got you covered. It's a it's a big week in uh, in movies. Oh, yeah. I guess. I mean, every, <laughs> why not? Every week seems to be. <laughs> but, I mean, you got Sundance going on, Oscar nominations. It's all happening. We're only a few weeks away from the Oscar ceremony the, itself, and... We'll be bringing on Edgar Chaput to go over the results and discuss Manchester by the Sea when that happens. First week in March, I believe. I hear so, that movie's okay. Yeah, it's aight. I might talk about it for a split second later on in the show. All right, I'll, you're on the clock. <laughs> but I'm kind of excited for the Oscars this, this year, only because it's the first time I've seen every single Best Picture nominee before the award show. What I do want to say is Manchester by the Sea, from what I've read about it over time, is a movie that I'm going to watch twice before I pass judgment on, I think. All right. All right. I got a pretty firm grasp on it on one time through, but I... Yeah, well, I'm not... I don't know. I Like I said, I haven't seen the movie, but... Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I'll talk about it more later or something like that. yeah, yeah. I think Arrival might be a movie that could take two looks, but we'll get into it when the time comes. But yeah, so this episode we're talking Hunt for the Water People, which, like I said, did very well at last year's Sundance Film Festival. People loved it. It has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, which surprised me when I saw it. Not because it's a bad movie or anything, just that's a very high number. Yeah. Uh, but it's directed by Taika Waititi who directed What We Do in the Shadows, a movie we both liked a lot. Talked about it a year, year and a half ago. And he's also directed Thor Ragnarok, which comes out later this year. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so he got the big jump up in budget there with the Marvel movie. And the, the movie stars Sam Neill from Jurassic Park fame, Julian Dennison as the kid star of the movie, and Reese Darby makes a cameo from Flight of the Concords. The plot synopsis is... Ricky is a defiant young city kid who finds himself on the run with his cantankerous foster uncle in the wild New Zealand bush. A national manhunt ensues, and the two are forced to put aside their differences and work together to survive. Yeah. Hmm. Um, it's basically, yeah, he's a foster kid who keeps getting run through the system, finally finds a place that he likes, and a freaking tragedy happens. Out of almost nowhere in a pretty funny scene, if I do say so myself. Uh, <laughs> don't want to necessarily give away what happens, but it's after that point that they're on the run. He doesn't want to get go back through the system, maybe even go to juvie or whatever the New Zealand form of that is. And uh, it's like a buddy comedy on the run uh, movie from that point on. Yeah. 
Um, what had you heard of this movie coming into it? And not at all. <laughs> nothing. Nothing at yeah. all. <laughs> and uh, I thought I was so sure. The what? <laughs> <laughs> you did like what we do in the shadows. Same guy. Yeah. Did you think it lived up to his his previous material that you'd seen? Not exactly. Um, I think it's a well-made movie. Yeah, for sure. I could see people liking the movie, but I, I just really didn't end up enjoying it. Like, it was nice. Like, the, the actual cinematography was actually pretty good for the yeah. type of movie it was. Very good, yeah. Um, I can't say the acting was horrible either. Yeah, great performances. But I just didn't really end up liking the kid that much. And I, I just sort of ended up not caring, like, why they were running. Yeah. I felt like the comedy really missed, for me at least. Maybe it's just they have a different kind of, like, dry sense of humor. But I don't know. Like, all the times I felt like they were, like, really trying to throw one out there for you, I felt like it kind of missed. Yeah, well, see... Some parts tried too hard, and then other parts they didn't Yeah. See, coming into it, for me, I... This movie came out Sundance last year, and so did Captain Fantastic. Um, and they both got good reviews. But for whatever reason, before I saw this movie, I thought I was... Like, I've seen both now. And in hindsight, I think I thought Hunt for the Wilder People was Captain Fantastic, and vice versa. Because... I kept hearing how amazing Hunt for the Wilder People was, and I thought it was the plot from Captain Fantastic. So when I actually watched it, I was like a little thrown off. And yeah. it wasn't what I was, was I was expecting, and I didn't love it. But I did enjoy it a great deal. I do think it's funny, and I think it's like you said, one of the movie, one of the, well, Jesus mumbles, uh, one of those movies that on a second viewing I think will will work a lot better. First of all, See, because I, I will say I would be willing to watch it again. Yeah. Because first of all, I think I was so thrown off that maybe it took me a little bit longer to get into it than it normally would. And also, I feel like, the like you said, the dry sense of humor, which works so well in what we do in the shadows. I think that's something that when you're more in in step with that with that tone that it's going for, like you'll catch things or at least pick up on the, the humor a little bit better. Yeah. But then I ended up loving Captain Fantastic, maybe because – for whatever reason, I went in with lowered expectations to that. But um, I do think that the main kid was pretty good, though. I, I I see what you're saying. Like, I agree I couldn't fully connect, like, with his plight. But as far as the comedy goes, I thought he did really well. Like, he, pudgy kid played into it well. I mean, any kid actor, you're going to have your little weaknesses but oh i thought he was like picturesque but i i thought it was almost a little too like perfect looking like he always wore that same almost like a comic book where they like he wore the same outfit like the entire movie yeah i just thought most of his stuff was the funniest but stuff. um i didn't think he he did a bad job at all i thought actually he was like kind of exact i couldn't imagine anybody anybody else doing it yeah yeah, it definitely. Uh, I'm not hating on him at all. I'm just uh, maybe the writing wasn't like, or maybe it was. It was me. Like I said, maybe I just didn't catch all the humor. Joel says it's not you, movie. It's me. I'm so sorry. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, but no, I actually, I never fully connected. That was the thing that's holding me back from, like, loving this movie. Like, I liked it a decent amount. I found it amusing, but I never really found it, like, hilarious. Um, I got, I kept, like, getting little chuckles or where I'd smile, but I was never, like, laughing out loud, LOLing, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but I actually, I thought the kids, like, lines and parts were some of the funniest stuff in the movie. A couple key quotes here. Shit just oh, got real. Funny parts of the movie. I'll admit that. I... When he asks him, "Are you going to manslaughter him?" Uh, I wish you were dead. And he says, <laughs> "Me too." And like when he's, I like the scene when he's standing on the other side of a cliff from this woman, like child protective services worker, and they like I feel like at one point they have some kind of lost banter talking about a Hurley from Lost and then another time they're talking about Terminator 2 I'm relentless yeah. I'm like the Terminator no I'm like the Terminator but I, I said it first uh, you're more like Sarah Connor before she started doing pull ups or something <laughs> like that like little moments like that were pretty good but yeah overall um, I thought it was just okay but like you said it looks great like the locations in the in the New Zealand oh, uh, atmosphere, in the like the woods, in the jungles, or whatever, uh, looked great. It was uh, it was beautiful cinematography, really well done, which gives me some hope for Thor Ragnarok. Like like for all the pluses of what we do in the shadows, I didn't think it was like the most beautiful looking film with the greatest camera movements, but yeah, that's what it kind of confused me about because I do remember now in hindsight, yeah, Thor, it's, but this yeah. movie. At least he he's either improved or he just needed to use it finally. But, I mean, I think this proves that he knows how to use the camera or at least hired someone that does. And, uh, yeah, that gives me some hope for Thor. Yeah, especially. maybe in, in retrospect you'll look back and see uh, the Shadows movie as being, like, actually really good camera work. Like, yeah, could be. That, you know what I mean? Yeah, I was just so focused on the humor and the dialogue and stuff like that. But maybe a lot of the humor came from the way he was using the camera. So, yeah, and I'm hoping that he can pump some pretty good humor into Thor. I think that franchise definitely needs some of that. I did not like the first two Thor movies very much, but I'm. I think I, the first one was all right. Yeah, I mean, I didn't hate hate either of them, but like, I'm actually excited for the next one, just knowing that he's directing it. Yeah, it looks uh, from what I've seen looks awesome. Yeah. Can't wait for uh, the trailer has to be hitting sometime soon. But yeah, haven't they released some screen caps or something though? I haven't seen them. If they they might have. Maybe I, just, I don't know. Maybe they weren't official. Maybe all I've weren't. heard is the plot, which is him and Thor basically teaming up together, and Kate Blanchett, Plant Blanchett is the is a villain. It sounds pretty uh, good. This is. It was just like a picture of them in like a green room, like with the you know, with the suit. Yeah. Yeah, and they had like a little two-minute short film they did to kind of announce it, and they've they've done some stuff that uh, definitely raised my interest for sure. But it was weird seeing Sam Neill in a movie that wasn't Jurassic Park. I don't know if I've seen him in too many other things. Yeah, no, I think that he is like Australian or from New Zealand or something. Yeah, right? he's definitely from that part of the world for sure. And I just kept expecting when they're running through this jungle, the woods, to like 
have a Velociraptor show up or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, you got to get down, kid. What? Didn't we review another movie that he was in? It's possible. I know. I know that's not the, Jurassic Park isn't the only movie I've seen him in, but I don't know. That's just all that comes to mind whenever I see him. But we might have. I just. Can't, I think can't I remember. might just be confusing it with like Hunter, because it, it's. I don't know. It might not be New Zealand. It's like Tasmania or something. Yeah. Well, what did you think of the love interest side plot? I guess not really a love interest, but he kind of gets a crush on this girl who's letting him hide out at one point. Uh, what? And he becomes like, like her brother shows up and knows who he is somehow. Yeah. It's been a while since I watched it, but what did you think of uh, that whole part of the movie? I actually thought that was sort of refreshing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not as like cliched as you might think. Yeah, because at first I was like, oh, man, this is, like, really hitting on... Every Sunday. But it was actually... uh, My favorite parts of the movie, actually, were... Some of them, at least. Yeah. With the uh, girl. Yeah, I agree. I actually kind of, like, liked the humor. I like how she kind of, like, had the upper hand on him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, it would kind of go in a direction you think you know what's going to happen and then kind of do a little switcheroo at the end there. Yeah, and it wasn't like... Like, you didn't catch on to it almost. Yeah. Till like, looking back on it. Where it was like, oh, they're going to, you know, do the opposite. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like that at all. It's very, like, natural. Yeah. And I kind of wish she was in more of the movie because I know people were raving about, like, Sam Neill and the kids' interactions. I actually liked the other stuff a little bit better than that. Yeah, I kind of wish she was, like, running around with them. Yeah. Um, What did you think? Like, you could tell this movie was going for mainly comedy, but some, like, uh, more emotional stuff, or at least undertones of, like, uh, touching material, melodrama, kind of, with, like, him just not wanting to leave Sam Neill, even though he treats him like crap. And, uh... I don't know. They had a kind of a interesting relationship there. Did it get to you at all? Not really. Yeah. I mean, eh, maybe towards the end a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say. Only at the very end did I be like, oh, no, don't take him. Or yeah. who knows, yeah, I won't say sure. what happened. But but I kind of, the other part about this movie is I sort of wish they either would have committed a little bit to, more to it being like a crime drama that like, you know, a lot of crime movies just happen to be funny. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or they just like committed a little bit more to the lighthearted it being a comedy. Like I, I thought it was called a little bit too much in a gray area, like not in the best way. But it's sort of a minor complaint as much as I'm talking about it. Yeah, and this is a common thing problem I have with some movies is when they get called in between. I feel like. Unless you're going to really nail it, it's better to commit to one idea rather than try to play in, in a few of them at the same yeah. time. And when it's done right, that makes it amazing. But a lot of times that's where I have the biggest like issues with And they were the close. Don't get me wrong. Like They didn't crash and burn by any means. Yeah, and it's so subjective. I could completely see how someone could love it and be one of their favorite movies of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. I could see how someone would 
it's one of those movies that just has kind of something about it. Yeah, if you can get on its wavelength, I can just see you loving it. But I was That's just not I'm quite not there. too willing to watch it again. I think. Yeah, yeah. If it ever was on, like I don't know, FX or HBO, I'd I'd probably watch it. But I did. Yeah. Last thing I would say, I did like about the kid is that he's not some little innocent kid who easy to root for you know he he's kind of an asshole and like bragging about his little petty crimes that he did in school when he first shows up and he's kind of a prick at first it's not until like later on that you kind of see that he has is a good kid deep down but just been through the system so much he kind of has to put this shell up that's why like that's another thing is they kind of put so much emphasis in the beginning to show that he was like so bad like i thought he went pretty good fairly quickly for them like kind of i mean i know he he was kind of a smart ass and stuff but yeah they have but, a, like video in the beginning and him like just lighting stuff on fire and, like, yeah like i thought it was going to be a little bit more dennis the menace yeah which again like i said if they would have committed a little bit more to the comedy it could have gone a little bit more that way where he just sort of like kind of fucks with the guy's day a little bit yeah yeah but i just felt like it was so clearly a front like he's just trying to be well yeah i feel you there i i mean like i said i don't think they like really swang and missed yeah 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 i just felt they should have committed one way or the other a little bit more and it would have been like a great film but yeah i'm i pretty much agree with you but this is a we can always have somewhat similar takes on things. I'm waiting for the movie where you loathe it and I love it, and we just have yeah. a knockdown, drag out war. But it hasn't hasn't happened in a while. Yeah, what like the one of the Avenger movies or something? Like <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, Age of Ultron. That was we kind of differed there, but yeah, yeah. I think this is a pretty good movie. I think it's a grower, not a shower. So give it time to work its way into your heart and um, <laughs> yeah I think it's worth giving a shot because I think there's a decent chance that you'll like it more than we did at the very yeah, least I, it's I recommend it as well yeah because I didn't enjoy it yeah I wouldn't rush out to see it but don't avoid it yeah. for sure if it's ever conveniently in front of you to watch for sure and it's not a long movie it doesn't feel long I felt like it was decent pace like yeah, I, actually, I, I'd say that's maybe one of the the pluses of the movie. Is yeah. It has a pretty good length. It could, if I really had the nitpick, it could have been a few minutes shorter. But. Yeah, for sure. Any movie, almost every movie I feel like could benefit from being a little bit shorter. Because at the very end, I was sort of ready for it to be over, but at the very end is sort of where it got me the most. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Too well. But... Yeah, so I'll probably give it a 7 out of 10. You know, just... Uh, and that could go up or down depending on a, another viewing. We'll, I'd we'll, give it a, a 6. I feel you. So, above average, but like... Average. <laughs> yeah, well made. Just didn't completely connect with it. Yeah, for sure. Alright, well... We didn't do a top 5 um, Sundance movies we wanted to see last year. But Hunt for the Wilder People might have shown up on that. But this year, we're giving it a go. We're going to take a look at what the people coming out of Sundance Film Festival festival, festival said. Uh, and we're combining plot synopsis 
critic reviews, uh, just the buzz around it, what we are most looking forward to checking out from what premiered. And every year, there's always a handful of movies that come out with this buzz behind them. And like last year, Manchester by the Sea, Captain Fantastic, and Hunt for the Wilder People, I feel like, were the big three, at least from what I remember. And I loved one of them, liked the other one quite a bit, and the other one was decent. I don't know what I'm getting at, but we're going to do our top five Sundance movies <laughs> right here. Right, uh, yeah. We'll see if there's any Manchester by the Seas in this group that could find itself nominated for Best Picture come uh, Oscar time 2018. What do you think? I think there might be some. From... I haven't seen a ton, but yeah. Yeah. Interesting looking stuff. What's your number five? My number five is Wilson. Wilson! My interest is mostly Woody Harrelson. Yeah. I feel like he always, even if it's mediocre, kind of. He's going to give a fun performance, seems like. Yeah. But, um, I don't know a whole lot about this movie, to be totally honest with you. You saw, hey, you got decent notices, and it's got Woody Harrelson at the center of it. Like, I, I've seen it recommended a lot, and I've seen some, like, screens. I know it's like I'm looking at it. He soon discovers family he always wanted, but never knew he had. Sounds very Sundancey. Yeah. It's all know. a matter of execution. Well, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry. that's. That's the thing. That's with, why it's in number five. I'm sort of vague on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. That's the thing with Sundance. It's like, and it's a cert, definitely a certain uh, tone to all these movies, or at least, you know, quirky, coming of age, comedy slash drama, try to bring the laughs and the tears at the same time, white people problems for the most yeah. part. And it, it's all just a matter of execution. When it's done well, it works. And, but there's also plenty of them that are just like middle of the road or even bad. So you never know. know. My number five is Brigsby Bear, which actually this is the one that I didn't hear anything. I've I've listened to like five or six podcasts where they're talking about their Sundance reviews, what to look out for, and I didn't hear this movie at all. But then I was just looking at uh, Paste Magazine's coverage, and they had it at the number three best movie of the festival and I saw somewhere else it was like number four best movie of the festival so I was looking a little more into it I think it's made from the same people that made Popstar Never Stop Never Stopping which is, uh, okay. which is a movie I liked a lot and it looks like it's a high concept story about a guy or a kid who is raised by his parents uh, in like a bunker of sorts to keep him away from society uh, and all he has is this one science fiction show Brigsby the Bear and then he gets out of that bunker and has to I guess adapt to normal life I don't know it didn't sound amazing on paper but just the fact that everyone so say or at least a few people were really high on it and uh, the people that made it I'm definitely interested nice so my number four is I was trying to bring up the IMDb first. Yeah. You're number four of the Sundance Film Festival for 2017. 
<laughs> yes, this is the Redbox Awards all over again. <laughs> well, it's actually uh, one of the trailers we're going to be doing. All right, let's, we can I just. I don't feel at home in this world anymore. <laughs> Pretty short title. Very short. Short, very succinct, catchy. to the point. <laughs> yeah, I guess we can talk about the trailer here as well when as you go through it. Um, the stars. Melanie Linsky? Yep. Um, Who I totally thought was, um, I sort of thought it was Renona Winona Ryder. Yeah, I could see the resemblance. But she's from New Zealand or Australia, actually, herself, yeah. And uh, Elijah Wood. Yep, Frodo. He's in it. And uh, from what I got, I mean, I saw it's recommended, so it's sort of uh, got it bumped up. But after seeing the trailer, it's like she's sort of like walked on, and people are just like dickheads to everybody everywhere. This bothers her, and it seems to just like boil up and kind of pop. And yeah. They start like getting back stolen property, and like it seems like getting revenge on bad people. And I think it it seems to maybe turn on them because maybe they're being dicks or something. I don't know. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, Netflix bought it. It's actually premiering on Netflix February 24th, so in three weeks. It'll be uh, able to stream right on Netflix. Uh, it won the Grand, oh, wow. Grand Jury Prize for uh, uh, the Sundance Film Festival, which is like the big award for best movie of the festival. So maybe we'll actually review this uh, a few weeks down the road, which would be kind of cool to be able to see a, a movie so fast after it you know just gets noticed yeah i'm pumped for this now <laughs> yeah and um it's directed it's the first directorial debut of um macon blair who is an actor who has starred in all of jeremy Sonier's movies who's the guy that made blue ruin an awesome movie from a few years ago in green room um the horror thriller from last year which is really good and I can tell he's taking a lot of keys and notes from from his buddy uh, that he started in his movies with because it kind of has that same dark but kind of heightened feel at the same time, same kind of look to it. Um, it looks great. I mean, obviously it's getting great, great reviews, and Elijah Wood looks like he's having a bizarre performance. Yeah, it looks like it's got action sure. comedy. The only thing it looks that- like a role that might be perfect for him. Kind of like, yeah. uh, like you know, almost like how Neil Patrick Harris sort of like and Harold like, Kumar and stuff plays like the opposite. Or how about in Gone Girl? He's, oh, yeah. He plays a psycho weirdo in that. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I've heard that Elijah Wood, it's one of his, if not his best performance of his career, which, I mean, I don't think he has that many amazing performances, but yeah. it could be good. And, um the only thing that worries me about it that had me leave it off the list, actually, it was a bit of my number six or honorable mention. It's just, it's a directorial debut, and something about this thing where it's like an easy go to for early time directors or first time directors where it's like a parody where everything, everyone's so terrible and. And it's about them getting revenge on them and killing a bunch of people, almost like a psychotic fantasy type thing. Like, I've seen it before and didn't like it, but this looks like it's much more grounded and not taking itself too seriously as some of the other ones I've seen. So 
Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to checking this out and talking about it in a few weeks. Nice. But my number four is The Big Sick, which I think might have got bought for the most or one of the highest amounts. Amazon bought it, uh, I think, around $12 million or so. Damn. This was getting a lot of buzz out of uh, out of the film festival. It's Kumail Nanjiani, the comedian, stars. It's like a romantic comedy where he's Pakistani or, or Indian. I apologize. I cannot remember which one. But he's uh, from one of the Eastern or Asian, I don't know. Is it Eastern Asia? No, sure, it's Western, uh, Western Southwestern Asian uh, countries. And he marries or is dating a white girl, and his parents do not agree with it. They wanted to have an arranged marriage for him, but he kind of gets together with this girl, and then they break up, but she slips into a coma, and he like visits her hospital bedside every day hoping she'll wake up and she's he's interacting with her parents played by ray romano and holly hunter uh, apparently it's funny and touching all the things that we keep saying sundance movies are it's produced by judd apatow and apparently it reminded some people of knocked up so that's a movie i loved and uh yeah i'm hope, hoping this can at least be something good in that genre Nice. Well, sure, nice. Sorry, I'm uh, kind of reading about my next one. Which is? It is... Wait, I have two documentaries. I don't want to get mixed up. City of Ghosts. Yeah, this sounds pretty good. It's from the makers of uh, Cartel Land. Did you see that? Good. You saw that? Yeah. I've been meaning to watch it. I heard it's crazy footage. Yeah, it's like... Uh, Cartel lands like about this one cartel had like total control of this area and they sort of start becoming like vigilantes and like going to war, like literal war against the cartel because a lot of the police are bought and it's pretty crazy. You there? Yeah, I'm here. (laughs) Sorry. It sounded like it cut out. (laughs) The City of Ghosts. City of Ghosts is from... I don't know if they make it exactly clear what city or if it's one city, but it's basically about anonymous citizen journalists like recording stuff about occupied ISIS territory. Yeah, I heard it's like combines all these people's own home footage and the directors as well of like on the ground in ISIS territory and yeah, yeah crazy So it's shit. sort of like a a similar spin on Cartel Land, yeah. but apparently it is like way crazier. Yeah, <laughs> this seems like a can't miss documentary if you're into that. I heard it compared to Restrepo, which I think you liked. Yeah, oh, I, it might be. I don't know if I could rate them, but it's maybe my favorite documentary. There it's you go. So my favorite military one, at the very least. Yeah, it's got that. Cra- I mean, it's unfortunate that the guy died, the director, but. Uh, yeah. Just oh, like, yeah. You know they named like a city square in that town after him? Oh, really? Yeah. But just one of these ballsy people that is getting right down in it 
you know, to get this crazy. You, you did like a lot of humanitarian stuff too around those areas, so as yeah. well as like the documentaries and reporting. Yeah, some of these documentarians are like really uh they got balls. It, to be honest, documentaries are so well made these days. It's like it's so easy to glance over really good ones. Yeah, it's true. Cuz there's also ones that look really good that aren't good. True. But. Exactly. And I kind of wish I watched more of them. It's a genre that I only watch like maybe between 5 and 10 a year and it's like that's not enough. And it's sort of a shame a little bit because they have a lot, like, you can find all documentaries on YouTube for whatever reason. Pretty much all of them. But then there's a lot of, like, garbage out there that's, like, kind of spliced from, like, real ones. And they actually, they look really good. And then, but they're, some of them are about, like, horse shit. And they, they make a Literally? long, semi-logical, like, argument for whatever it is but that kind of sucks yeah yeah and it's i don't know some of them when they're so straightforward with just here's a narrator yeah. here's a in face like head-on interview with a guy like i like, like when they get a little more creative to be honest like there's been a like weed documentaries there's been a few really good ones, like ones I legitimately like, besides even like the whatever. Super like high. <laughs> Super high me I love. And then there's another one. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. It's been a long time since I've seen it. But there's been so many of those made about like California and now like Colorado that most of them just suck. They're just yeah. sort of like repeating Wikipedia and whatever. Well, yeah, I'm sure we're going to get a barrage of uh, Trump documentaries any minute now. Oh, yeah. God. Who, who knows? Hopefully, they might, there might be a couple good ones in there, but <laughs> you never know. Uh, my number three is Mudbound, which Netflix bought for $12.5 million. This is our next on my list. All right, yeah. This is looks like it's the birth of a nation of this year. I mean, of last year, minus the controversy. Versi. Yeah. Um, this is directed by... I wish I would have wrote the woman's name down. Um, well, look that up. But, uh, D. Rees. D. Rees, yes. She, she directed Pariah uh, <clears throat> a few years ago, which is a movie I loved. Uh, about, I didn't see it, but I want to see it. Yeah, so good. It's about a young black woman who's a lesbian... And, you know, in the closet just because it's the culture where I definitely don't approve of her lifestyle. And uh, it was incredibly well made and really touching. And and I've heard that this has, like, this is one of the movies coming out of the festival that actually has, like, legit Oscar potential, whatever that is good for. And um, it's about, it's like, apparently it's an epic about a black family in I want to say the 1940s um, and they're like living on property where they their families used to be slaves I don't know exactly but it's something where it's like not they're not quite like under the rule of this white family but they're treated still like they are and it's kind of like an epic 
story between the two these two clashing families or something like that. Either way, the reviews are good enough to where I'm like, all right, got to pay attention. Plus, I loved her first movie so much that I'll pretty much watch anything she had to come up with. Very cool. And that was your number two? That was also my number two. Did you have anything else to go with it? Uh, no, I just really thought the cinematography looked good and the acting looks really good. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Uh, I like the time period. Yeah, so. and we'll talk about The Birth of a Nation, actually, on the next episode. But, uh, yeah, I wonder wonder how they compare. Probably not at all. At least I've seen them both. I thought Pariah was much better made, not to spoil what I thought of Birth of a Nation. But, yeah, I guess we'll see. My number two is Call Me By Your Name, which is probably the most well-reviewed movie of the festival. I literally have every single person that I've heard or seen talk about the festival has this at number one or two on their best of list. It's from the director of A Bigger Splash from last year, which I didn't see, but it's uh, I think it's Italian director Luca... Guananino or something like that and the, the plot here is basically a young kid travels with his father to Italy I want to say and like he has a girlfriend but he falls in love with his father's assistant who's played by Army Hammer so it's basically like a, a coming of age coming out gay love story but I'm not I don't know why but it's apparently it's like next level like legit great great movie so wow you know if something's getting that big of a notice I, I want to see it Did an earthquake just hit your house? Yeah, I accidentally <laughs> the chair got stuck out and hit the table. <laughs> Sorry. It's all good. What's your number 1? My number 1 I keep getting the two documentaries mixed up. Last Man in Aleppo. Okay, yeah. Which one? What was this about again? This is about, I believe, actual, like, churn. Here, the plot synopsis. After five years of war in Syria, Aleppo's remaining residents prepare themselves for siege. Khalid Sabdi. I, I apologize if I butcher these names. And yeah. Muhammad. Founding members of the White Helmets have remained in the city to help fellow citizens and experience daily life, death, struggle, life and death struggle and triumph in a city under fire. So I guess these guys are like met like a almost like a white cross, but like more just kind of put together mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on the fly. And it's about them. It was in the news recently that they eventually like got totally surrounded and they were actually just ex- executing the citizens. Jesus. But it's about them just staying behind to help the people that were still there. And they were just sort of, I'm pretty sure it was just like random bombings and know, crazy stuff. Yeah. But then it's destroyed. Sounds intense. Yeah, but it's something that I've um, kind of kept an eye on. Uh, actually, Vice was doing like these 
like daily videos from there, like when it was like very first starting. And then I, I assume eventually they left. I can't remember, but yeah. I've watched a lot of stuff about it over the years. Cool. Well, my number one is from director David Lowry, who directed Ain't Them Body Saints in his first feature film, which is a movie that a lot of people liked a lot, and I just didn't connect with it. But I thought it had uh, it has a uh, Kate, not Kate, Rooney Mara and Casey Affleck starring in that movie, and I like both of them. And then he made Pete's Dragon last year, which is a movie I thought was a pleasant surprise. I liked it quite a bit. And this time he brings back Rooney Mara and Casey Affleck for a ghost story, um, which is about a man, Casey Affleck, who dies in a car accident and then comes back to his home as a ghost, but as a like literal ghost <laughs> caricature of a guy with just a white sheet draped over his body with two <laughs> eye holes cut out. And apparently it's, like, it goes way beyond that into, like, excellent, excellent uh, film territory. And I'm coming off a high of Manchester by the Sea with Casey Affleck, so I kind of just want to see anything he's in, combined with liking the Peach Dragon so much, liking Rooney Mara, and all the buzz about it. This just seems like it has potential to crack my top ten for the 2017 end-of-year list, and... uh yeah, this is the one I'm really looking forward to. I kind of w- I wish this was the one that got picked up by Netflix and I could watch in a couple weeks. It just sounds really interesting. Apparently there's a scene that's basically just five minutes straight of like Rooney Mara eating a pie all depressed after her husband dies and he's just sitting in the room watching her. Really? I guess. People are raving about it, so... Sounds uh, interesting to say the least. Uh, nice. I, I I vaguely saw this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I was going through it all, I, like I now that you like say it, I saw the ghost. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's pretty it's ridiculous. Like, what the hell was that? Yeah. Apparently, if you can get past, like, buy into after the first twenty minutes, they just like gets incredible after that. So. Yeah, I'm going to be more open minded after Swiss Army Man. Yeah. Like I said, that took me like three or four times to watch. Once it like got past the first 20 minutes or so, it's a pretty good movie. Yeah, that was another Sundance movie from last year. Uh, I have a couple honorable mentions. I have I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. Also, Wind River, which is the directorial debut of, I think it's Taylor Sheridan, who wrote Sicario and... Um, Hell or High Water and he's switching to directing on this and apparently it's kind of along the same lines where it's like a a gritty action slash neo modern western starring Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen it's getting mixed reviews but I liked Sicario and Hell or High Water enough that I'm willing to give it a chance for sure yeah for sure and also casting John Benet which is a documentary about I think it's a documentary it seems like it's kind of a, a hybrid potentially where they're like brought like in acted out stuff I think it's like they brought in 400 girls to like uh, 
auditioned for the role of John Bonet in a in a movie about her murder, and they kind of show the auditions and the whole process of, you know, casting John Bonet. So I don't know. Sounds interesting and different, at least. Yeah, I kind of saw this. I, I wasn't. Like you said, I wasn't sure if it was documentary. Yeah, I didn't read too much into it, but I've been hearing people saying it's good, so. Good enough for me. Good enough for me. Alright, um, did you watch anything else this week? I watched a Studio Ghibli masterpiece but uh, My Neighbor Teodora. Yes, yes, the big lovable monster I, I feel like this movie's like really iconic like, like uh, the picture of the cat guy with the yeah. his head yep um, I didn't really know much about what it was really about and uh, yeah so I just kind of gave it a shot the other day it's basically what like this little kid has like an imaginary friend quite quote unquote imaginary friend yeah, they're kind of vague on, like, you pretty much assume it's all their imagination, but it's one of those movies, I feel like in all his movies, they kind of, like, clarify, for the most part, with the kids, and their mad because, actually, in Spirited Away, at the very end, you think she was just, like, pretending all that, you see that she has the one, like, hair tie, or yeah, she has, like, yeah, a yeah. piece of jewelry. Right, yes. But uh, anyway, so yeah, it's just sort of about like their mother is sick. I don't know if they ever like say. Oh, I can't remember if I I might have fell asleep at the very end. But uh, I know their mother's sick. They move out into the country, and they keep seeing these like cats. It's sort of um, some of the stuff sort of reminiscent of like Alice in Wonderland. Uh-huh. Like, I think if he ever, like, had a nod to something like that, this is it. Because they kind of had, like, that Cheshire cat, but he's, like, a bus. And I don't know. This movie doesn't have a whole lot of, like, legitimate plot. Like, it kind of does, but it's sort of just more about these girls kind of, like, going about their lives, like, dealing with their mother not being there and living in a new place in the country they yeah. both start seeing Totoro or whatever and from what I remember it's more just like a quiet pleasant movie with the good yeah moral. it's just like a movie like kids can watch it's just sort of like they go through stuff and then the one girl gets like lost like at first only the young girl knows and then the other one does and yeah. I don't know. It's sort of like complicated. That like stuff gets thrown out of whack when their mom gets like more sick or something. Uh-huh. She came back and Where would you rank it amongst Studio Ghibli films? From what I have seen, it's my least favorite. But it's still a pretty good movie. Yeah. I'm... I would definitely watch it again. I would probably watch it with like kids or something like that. Yeah, I I would agree with you 100%. Uh, um, I don't have, like, a list of what I've seen off the top of my head, but, you know, like, Castle in the Sky, Howl's Moving Castle. Yep. Spirited Away. I'm pulling up my list. 
I've seen eight of their movies. Alright, what have you seen? I'll tell you if I've seen it. So. Alright, I have seen The Wind Rises, which is my number one. I haven't seen that one yet. You can bug it. So. Ponyo is my number two. Almost watched that. but <laughs> Princess Mononoke, number three. Yes, I've seen that. It's pretty great. Yeah. Spirit Away, number four. Yeah. Howl's Moving Castle, number five. Yeah. Grave of the Fireflies, number six. Very high on my list. And then I have Totoro, My Neighbor Totoro, number seven. And Secret World of Arietti, number eight, which, again, it's last, but I still liked it quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Castle in the Sky I've seen as well I feel like I've seen that too Maybe I just didn't update it <laughs> I think that's his first Actually I have seen I that I have a that's hard like, time uh... believing if that's his first movie It might have been his first movie Like on his own With his own Thing Because Let's he made see. a loop on the third movie That's apparently like really similar Yes, actually, I have seen Castle in the Sky. I just forgot to add it to the list, and it is now number nine. I, just, <laughs> I still thought it was decent, but I don't know. The animation is a little less It's definitely like 80s and, yeah. style. Yeah, for sure. I still want to catch up with some other ones, though, of his, for sure. Or not even of his. It's just Studio Ghibli in general. Uh, definitely. I mean, he did like most I said, of a lot of his but... Blu-rays are on sale right now. They're not like... They look a few dollars off. I've been very tempted. Yeah, I mean, those movies, are they're great to have because they're not going to, like, the quality's not going to go down over time because they're, they're such so like beautiful. Quiet day, rainy day, just like day maybe you're off early. Take maybe, <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, have you seen the documentary where it's like, it follows basically the goes actually into studio ghibli and like <clears throat> documents like a day in the working life of T- miyazaki and and the people that I, work there i've seen uh i think like clips of it but i haven't seen like the whole it's pretty thing. good it's pretty interesting it's actually it almost takes on like a quiet tone <laughs> it almost takes on the tone of one of his movies but in a documentary way it's interesting yeah, I mean, but, uh, he's amazing. Like, yes. uh, what did I hear someone say? He's the most important animator since Walt Disney. Absolutely. And he's so dedicated, you'll see in this documentary. like It's crazy that he draws all that. Like, he has artists that draw the in-between shots. But it's crazy they still do that. Yeah. I mean, he is like... If you've seen Jiro Dreams of Sushi, he's basically like... As dedicated as that guy is to making perfect sushi to Very his Japanese, stuff. old school Japanese. Yes, for sure. Which uh, is why that one movie I said got snubbed from the Oscars. The, what's the English name? Um, your Name or Your something. Name, yes. I've heard nothing but amazing things about that. I've heard amazing things about it. Like, he's apparently like a more modern day, like in terms of like generation. Yeah, let's see. I don't think anyone's, like, actually comparing him to Miyazaki, but just saying, like, he makes really good quality, has a nice style. Yeah, it's Makoto Shinkai, and he, yeah, he's definitely got a more modern art style. Apparently, like, like when I first heard about it, I was like, man, that's such, like, a money play for a big thing, but, like, the reviews I've read 
they said like it's very interesting and like actually pretty appropriate said a couple of the things might like not translate well with culture with Japanese and like sexuality I guess a little bit like humor yeah um but they're like that's like so minor and they're like it's so interesting and then like three quarters of the way through the movie it just completely changes and it should never work but it is incredible yeah i mean i'm looking on letterboxd it's one of i think it might be the highest rated animated film of the year on that website um yeah getting rave reviews highest uh grossing ever yeah 330 million or so yeah, I don't think it actually grossed more than Spirited Away in Japan. But it did really good in, like, China. And yeah. I might watch this before our next episode. They only, uh, I think they only put it in the U.S., like, for the minimum for the Oscar bid. Because, uh, dubs, the dub comes out in February, though. Alright, yeah. I'd rather watch, uh, subtitles, but... It's good to get it more yeah, available for for you know mass consumption. Some animes are actually better with the dub. Well, Ponyo, I've only ever seen the dub, yeah. so I mean, like, uh, I love that. In so. particular, I think Cowboy Bebop is like one of the most well-known ones for being like better, like legitimately a lot better. The dub. There's a couple though. Mm-hmm get into that some other time <laughs> but I uh, alright I'll go into all the shit I watched I watched a ton um, start off with A Monster Calls because it, it kind of seems somewhat similar similar to My Neighbor Totoro's plot this is the movie from this year that I heard a lot of good things about this was one of the movies like that I wanted to definitely check out before I set in stone my best of the year list. And unfortunately, <laughs> I did not have to wait to see this movie to, to do that because I didn't like it very much. But it's about a boy who, a young boy who's like 12 years old or so, and his mom is dying of cancer. And he starts this monster, this tree slash rock monster voiced by Liam Neeson comes out from nowhere to talk to him and tell he's going to tell him three stories and it'll change his life and then at the end he the kid has to tell him a story and basically it's like you said with Totoro like it's basically compensating for or just how this kid is dealing with his mother's sickness and death and it sounds like a story that would be really good but for whatever reason I just couldn't buy into it um Hmm. felicity jones plays the mom the dying mom uh ripley from aliens plays the grandmother i don't know something it's like it was trying too hard to play the emotional beats Um, and also it's so weird that this big tree monster which looks great i mean special effects fantastic in this movie um, it's basically he tells these stories. He's like mean, quote unquote mean. He's uh, I don't know. He he's just telling stories, and then they show these stories in like a pretty cool, different style of animation. 
it just doesn't really lead anywhere for me. I don't know. I can understand how someone it could love it because maybe they connected with it emotionally more. But for me, it was, I don't know, very, very disappointing. I gave it like a five and a half out of ten. It was directed by the guy who did The Impossible, which is a movie that I kind of had similar complaints where it should have worked, but it tried too hard to hit those emotional beats over and over really hard. So maybe I'm just not into this guy's movies. I don't know. Yeah. But um, let's see. Let's see. What else did I watch? I watched four of the best <laughs> picture nominees, which... I'm not going to go into completely because I'm sure we'll review them all. But I watched, like I mentioned many times, Manchester by the Sea. I'm very interested in talking about this movie. Uh, I really don't want to go into it too much because I think we could have a good conversation and I don't want to spoil my thoughts, but I did like it quite a bit. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to watch this movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um... I watched Hidden Figures, which is like the one that kind of came out of nowhere a little bit. It was like a pretty big hit at the box office. It's made over $100 million. Wow. This is the story of three black computers. That's what they called uh, people at NASA that did like math before actual computers. Uh, that work at NASA behind the scenes, and they were like very integral in the launch of what is it john glenn uh into outer space and uh it's really it's a really good story um i'm not mad at it at all for getting a best picture nomination it's definitely very hollywood what you would expect of this story from hollywood but it's really well done so props to that for getting some recognition i watched arrival um the dennis or denny Villeneuve science fiction movie about aliens that just show up and sit there and Amy Adams plays a linguistics professor who has to help try to communicate with these aliens and uh, love Denis Villeneuve's movies this was one of my most anticipated movies of the year it did not fail it did not let me down I, I really liked it um Another one I can't wait to talk about more in a future episode. And the last Best Picture nominee I watched was Lion, which actually this movie we may not need to review. We'll see. Uh, I didn't. It was probably the weakest or second weakest of the Best Picture nominees that I. Why does it sounds familiar? It's basically a story of this kid in India who. He's with his family. Uh, they're lower class. They are, like, stealing food to get by. And he's, like, this eight-year-old kid who has an uh, older brother. And they go off together to go on, like, some kind of mission to get some food or a little bit of money, maybe, something like that. And then, like, the, the young kid 
falls asleep on a bench because it's getting late. The older brother says, just wait here. I'll be right back. Don't move. Kid brother never comes back, so he gets on this train which starts driving away and doesn't stop for like hundreds and hundreds of miles. So he's basically just becomes homeless, lost in the world, gets put into oh, foster I, yeah, care. Yeah, trailer, trailer on this possibly. I think so. He gets put in foster care, and then uh, Nicole Kidman adopts him, and it's basically him trying to find his home. It flashes forward to when he's like. Uh, young 20s kid and uh, fully Americanized but then he wants to try to find his parents or at least like his hometown just where he came from and uh, I don't know it's it's not bad but it just it was it's the most cliche best picture nominee this year I don't know it's just it started off really interesting to me when it was like with these young kids in India but then once it kind of shifted its focus to the modern day, uh, I don't know. It just seemed like very uh, Oscar Beatty, if you know what I mean. Oh, uh, yeah, I got you. Just going for that, you know? I don't yeah, know. It's obnoxious. It's not bad, but it's it's like an average-ish movie. Six out of ten for me. In case we don't review it, I'll give my score. But I don't know. We might still review it, but... I don't know. This is the one I was, even if it's not my least favorite of the best, best Picture nominees, it's the one where I'm like, really? This got reviewed? I mean, not reviewed. Uh, fucking nominated. Uh, but anyway, I watched Central Intelligence, the comedy with The Rock and Kevin Hart. Um, I don't know why it took me this long to finally watch the movie. I thought I was kind of interested in it at the time. And it's okay. It's nothing wor- like that's going to change your world or hit your top five comedies of even the year. But Watchable, though? Yeah, certainly watchable. Kevin Hart's funny. The Rock, as always, extremely charismatic and does a really good job no matter what he's doing. So it's worth checking out if you're just looking for a laugh and can't think of anything else to watch. You know, It's not going to hurt you. Six out of ten on that. Oh, actually, I watched another Best Picture nominee. I forgot. Hacksaw Ridge, but we'll be reviewing that in a couple weeks, so I'll leave it there. I also watched a Japanese movie called Our Little Sister, which hit film festivals in 2015, but officially came out in 2016. This is a really quiet, pleasant movie. Uh, That's like the the Japanese way, right? I mean, yeah, I guess so. Uh, it's a story of these three sisters who live together by themselves after their father uh, cheats on their mom and like goes off and starts another family in another part of the country. And their mom just abandons them after that. So they're all on their own. Sounds pretty heavy and dark, but it's really not. Um, these sisters are all well-adjusted. They live in their house that they grew up in together. They, the older sister makes the, the food and all, and all this stuff. But then their father dies, and they go to his funeral where his other family is like running the funeral. And they meet their other sister, their 
the our little sister of the title who's younger than them probably like high school age but she's really like put together she's really mature for her age and they invite her to live with to like move in with them and live with them if she wants to and she does and it's basically just them like living their life with i don't know trying to get to know their other sister and deal kind of under the surface deal with the fact of everything that happened i don't know i'm probably not selling it but it's it's a very very good movie um, it's a, it's. It sounds pretty interesting. I was just kind of trying to soak it all in. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to explain why it's so great, other than, like, it's not the plot that makes it great. It's just the yeah, way. I, I got. It's kind of more of the like the feel, the texture, the yeah. Plot, like the, these the, characters are fully developed. You really grow fast to care for these characters. Um, they're all likable people in their own way. I like how it. It really shows off the culture of Japan. Like there'll be quiet scenes of just them cooking or or the way they sit at the table, little things like that where it's like without beating you over the head, it's like you're actually learning about another culture. I kind of I like that. The, it looks great, great cinematography. It's a pretty movie to look at. Um what was I going It's almost like a coming of age story for four different ages. Like each sister gets their own coming-of-age movie all in one. It's almost like it doesn't matter how old you are. You're never a finished product. You're always coming-of-age no matter what age you are. Uh, so I kind of like that about it. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It kind of reminded me – it's not anything like Chef, but another movie I, I loved quite a bit, Chef, in that it's just – there's no real conflict. There's no dramatic piece. It's just a happy – little story and uh yeah oh, okay it sounds like something i would like yeah i agree with you i like when it was like it's like why can't you have nice things sometimes <laughs> yeah i mean and it's not like there's no conflict at all but it's more just i don't know even the conflict is reasonable and i don't know it's a, I, I really like the movie it's grown on me even since i watched it probably in my top 15 top 20 of the year what's that one called again our little sister Oh, that to the list. There you go. I'd give it like a solid eight and a half out of ten. I also watched Jackie, which is the Natalie Portman movie. Oh, okay. As Jackie Kennedy or Jackie whatever her maiden name was. Um, Nassus. Yeah. Or Nassus, yes. And this is a an odd movie that I liked quite a bit. Uh, I might even not say too much because i think it might be worth uh doing a full review for but yeah i remember i had mistakenly said darren aronofsky was directing that he was the producer yeah and it makes sense like it almost has a black swan feel to it a little bit it's it's really weird but really well made and off kilter in a good way it's basically like the aftermath of jfk getting assassinated and the week after that where she's kind of running things or trying to transition to LBJ and her dealing with what happened and it's an amazing performance by Natalie Portman an incredible score which really sets the tone like I don't know it's a movie that I'm not sure why I liked it as much as I did 
because I could easily see how someone could not like it at all. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely we need to talk about this one in the future. But I liked it quite a bit. Uh, definitely one of the better movies. I would not have been mad if it was nominated for Best Picture, but it wasn't. I also watched Sing. This will be a quick one. The animated movie Sing. Uh, oh, yeah. It's forgettable, run-of-the-mill, mediocre. Uh, yeah, not worth seeing. I mean, kids liked it. Kids like it. My kid Mackenzie liked it, but I don't know. I it did nothing for me. I watched Jack Reacher: Never Go Back, the sequel to, to the original Jack Reacher. Uh, you liked the first one, right? I liked the first one quite a bit. Me and Casey. It was one of the early reviews we did, and. It be kind of it kind of became a, a reference point where it's like a movie that surprised the hell out of us, and we liked it a lot. And we kept bringing it up any time a movie exceeded expectations. We compare it to Jack Reacher and a Jack Reacher movie. Yeah, so it was. I was kind of looking forward to the sequel, but then I heard bad things, and they were right. I mean, it's actually not terrible, but it just lost all the stuff from the original that made it that movie the, the reason we liked it so much it lost a lot yeah. of its character uh, a lot of just I don't know it became one of the most generic action movies you'll ever see in your life which I mean is fine but I'm not even that much of an action movie guy so it you know it doesn't really if I, one of my least favorite genres is a generic action movie because I don't know. It just does nothing for me, and that's what this. Yeah, was. it's gonna have a lot of production quality behind it. To be yeah. a generic. And like I said, know. it's not terrible. It's not bad. It's just it does nothing new, nothing great. <laughs> you know, it's just very generic. Like I said, I'd give it a five and a half out of ten. Ouch. Let's see. I watched Silence. Another, another movie. I'm sure we will review. So I will just leave it at. It's good. I was disappointed. But it's a movie that is better. How do I put this? It's a long movie, and it's kind of a slog, but it's worth it. Uh, yeah, uh, why I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, basically. yeah. It's, I, I'm looking forward to it, don't get me wrong. It's almost tough to get through. It feel, actually feels longer than it is, and it's already pretty long. And... I didn't love it the whole time I was watching it, but for like, in hindsight, I'm glad I watched it. I do think it's a good movie. I see its merits, and I think it's certainly worth talking about. You're not the first person I've read some reviews that people said like they were almost like over it by the time it was over, and then after thinking about it, yeah, like were, I woke up thinking about the movie. Yeah, exactly. It's incredibly well made. Performances are great. It's Scorsese. I mean, come on. But yeah, yeah, we'll get into Marty. it. <laughs> yeah, Marty, we'll get into it uh, in a, a few months, I'm sure. Um, last thing, movie-wise, I'll talk about is *The Light Between Oceans*, uh, a movie we talked about. The trailer, we reviewed it. Uh, this is the Michael Fassbender, Alicia Vikander movie where oh yeah, yeah, yeah. he moves out to a lighthouse by himself, then. He meets her. They get married. Uh, mild spoiler alert. This happens early, but uh, she has two miscarriages. It's very tough to watch. Um, 
and it's almost like they're will they ever recover can they get past it and then magically a baby shows up on a rowboat uh on the shore of the beach and they bring it in and raise it as their own and then there's even more twists and turns after that it's a Definitely like a full-on melodrama directed by Derek C. in France, who, a guy who I loved, loved, loved his first two movies he made, Blue Valentine and The Place Beyond the Pines. And this is very well made, again. It's, uh, it's heightened, but it looks absolutely beautiful. Uh, the cinematography is great. The acting is great. It's just... It, I liked it. Mark. It didn't. It didn't hit the mark, and I had so high expectations because of his first two movies. But cer- oh, yeah. certainly worth watching. But it, I was definitely disappointed. Um, I, I'd give it a seven and a half. I would recommend it, but don't go in with like Place Beyond the Pines expectations. Um, that movie's almost a masterpiece, and this isn't that. But I still like this guy. I'm still interested in what he does next. So, and Michael Fassbender is is amazing as always and alicia vikander is cute as a button so yeah yeah worth seeing but i thought it would have would uh make a run for my top 10 and it's definitely not there so switching to tv quickly um i watched hunted (laughs) this is a new cbs reality show about nine teams of two are on the run uh, they have to stay off the grid for 28 days, not get caught by these ex-CIA uh, and <laughs> law enforcement people that are chasing after them. And I don't know. It's kind of silly, but kind of fun at the same time. Better than I thought it would be. Um, there's been three teams that have already gotten caught. Uh, so stupid. These people do. Like, there's no rules. So you're thinking, well, why don't they just go hide in the woods for 28 days? And one team does that, and they got caught because they couldn't, like the this guy's wife couldn't do it. She had to get to uh, another place. She just couldn't handle being out in the woods for so long. So they made it like three weeks or something, and then they got caught. Uh, another, <laughs> another couple got uh, caught in the very first day. Um, the thing is you, you get an ATM card where you can make five $100 withdrawals from an ATM throughout the 28 days. But obviously if you use an ATM, they ping you, they know where you are. (laughs) This couple immediately books it for a bus station, uses the ATM in the bus station to get the money to pay for their bus ride. Which, hello, once you're on a bus, Destination. <laughs> what you, that's it. You're, you can't deviate. Uh, and they were headed straight for their parents' home, which, again, the first place they're going to look. So, Anyway, it's, it's a fun show to pass the time until Survivor gets here in March. Um, I, I mean, it sounds interesting, but not on my own. No, no, no. I wouldn't recommend it for you. <laughs> but I, I like it. Um I watched the first four episodes of Sneaky Pete on Amazon. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know if you've heard of this. Yeah. Um, but it's 
makers of Justified, which I never saw but I heard great things about. And Giovanni Rabisi plays a con man who gets out of jail and goes back to his grandma's house. And it's like his long lost family, I guess, who he hadn't seen in like 10 years this is or so. based on something that really happened. Oh, really? Like, like, I don't know if the show is actually like story wise, but someone like actually did this with they like showed up. And acted like they were like a family member. Oh, he actually is, though. Oh, he literally is? Yeah, but he's kind of, like, it's been 10 or 12 years, and he became a con man, and uh, went to jail well, in the meantime. The thing I had heard that, like, really happened is someone, like, came back and was like, oh, yeah, like, I think the guy was dead or something like that. That like, was, yeah, I, I, it's probably the same story. Uh, there's a documentary about it i can't remember what it was called but it's like a french guy who's posing as a texas kid that went disappearing and integrated yeah, himself that, that maybe into, yeah. i vaguely remember reading about it yeah but sneaky pete like he's pretending that he's not a con man who just got out of jail to his family and they own a uh, bail bonds uh yeah. freaking company and that's like the family business, and he they kind of rope him into that. And Brian Cranston plays the big bad villain, and he's chewing up the scenery. Uh, four episodes in, I'm liking it a lot. I'm really it's enjoying it. From the, uh, they hyped it a lot before it like first came out. Yeah, it's or good, man. Or... It's good. It's, I'm definitely going to finish the season for sure. It's only ten episodes, so I'm almost halfway there. Uh, yeah, it's at least check out the first episode to see if you like it. But Giovanni Ribisi, he's never been given like a great role, but yeah, he's good in this. He's really, uh, really good. He's always been like a good side character. Yeah, I remember him best as Phoebe's brother and friend. Yeah, <laughs> he did pretty good on there. Uh, last TV thing, I am up to halfway through season six of The Walking Dead. How are you liking it? Really flying through this show. Um, very bingeable show, for sure. Yeah, see, I sort of wish I would have... I guess I initially saw Walking Dead on Netflix, but I don't know. I saw it early on, and I, I was sort of up and down with some of the seasons. Oh, yeah, for sure. Watching it episode to episode. It's, I'm probably getting a little burnt out on it, but... Yeah, but I want to push through because the new or the second half of the season starts in like a couple. I, weeks. I feel like I didn't love the second season, or maybe it was the third season I didn't love, and then I sort of waited, and then I watched the whole whatever season it was that was next, and I liked it again. So I think I like binging that show more now. Yeah, that makes sense. I can give. I don't some... think I've watched the last two seasons or like season and a half. Okay. I can give some season rankings. Um, I absolutely loved... Not All right, that's an exaggeration. I think seasons three and four are legitimately great seasons of TV. I'd put season four at number one, season three at number two. Um, season one probably would be, num- would be third best. Yeah. And then season five after that, which was okay, but not great. Then season two, which was pretty disappointing but it was only 10 episodes and season what six is season five 
Oh man, it's a blur. But uh, uh season five is I want to say it's no, not terminus. I think that was end of season four. It's oh, that's right. It's when they go to this like town that's almost like white picket fence. Like these people. Yeah, I hate that season. Yeah, it's not great. It has its moments. It's a very. It's. It's almost. I feel like what they were doing was like they're just going to do that and kind of like regroup. Yeah, but it lasted a long time. God, into yeah. season six. It was pretty pointless at, after you watch it. It's like because this is when you're like, okay, this is a formula. <laughs> they find a safe haven. It's not safe anymore. They leave. They find another place to stay. It's not safe. You know, like that's over and over. The exact problem with that season is so formulaic. Yeah. Even like Rick bothered me so much that season. Yep, Rick sucks. He was so cookie cutter. Like ever since season four. Overly aggressive, to be totally honest with you. Rick sucks ever since season four. So does Carl. Like, there's a lot, a lot of really good characters. I love a lot of characters in the show more than the show itself. Like, Carol's a badass. Yeah. Michonne is a badass. Um, I like Daryl, obviously. I think everyone likes Daryl, but... Yeah, I don't, there's definitely good characters, but... Like, season one, it's that little campsite outside of the city. Season two, it's uh, the farm or whatever. Yeah. Uh, season three, it's the prison. Season four, it's Terminus. Season five, it's this, like, like I don't mind the settlement thing too too much, but they they lean on the scenery too much as to tell the story. Yeah. And that, like it's too much about them. This is we're gonna live forever. Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But I don't know. I'm in it for the characters now at this point, basically, and. Hopefully none of my favorites die off, because then I might die off of the show. But <laughs> I'm trying to catch up for when the new season starts, so I can watch it week to week and like listen to podcasts. I'm sure you'll get it. there. Oh yeah, yeah. We're immersed there. Yeah, like I said, it is a good show. It is. It's better than I thought it would be. I don't know. I that's why I kept putting it off because I'm like, I feel like this is a show that I'm not going to get into as much as everyone else is, but. Yeah, like and, a race to the bottom type show where yeah. it's like popular because whatever. Yeah, it's definitely quality. And yeah, I don't know. It's not great, but it definitely has moments of greatness. Um, let's see. Uh, talk real quickly about a couple video games. Did you play, Have you played any lately? Um, what have I been playing? I bought Battlefield, which is pretty awesome. I still play Halo, and I started replaying Bioshock. Oh, really? Yeah. Which holds up super well, because I have the 360 version. They, they like, remastered it recently. And uh, Xbox has been slowly, but surely, adding games backward compatible. That's cool. Man, I've been trying to get back into video games. (laughs) My PlayStation 3 is failing me. First, I finally thought, okay... (laughs) And actually, it's funny. I bought Final Fantasy twelve for PlayStation 2 a while ago yeah. with the idea to play it on PlayStation 3. I finally opened it to put it in. The receipt was inside. 2008. <laughs> I bought it. Yeah. 
which was actually like a couple years after it came out. And then I put it in the system, and it's one of the PlayStation 2 games that's not backwards compatible with the PlayStation 3. Oh, man. I'm like, okay, uh, guess I'm not playing this. And then I was, uh, even all the, all the Final Fantasy games, literally every single one is available on Steam, except for Final Fantasy XII. Yeah. For whatever reason. And I've Final heard Fantasy great things XII is a very, like, some people think it's more, maybe one of the best. Some people think it is the best. That's and why like, I want to play it's it. It's very love and hate. Like, other mm-hmm. people, I'd say, like, 50 or 40% of the people hate it. Yeah. I'm, like, but, ready to buy a PlayStation 2 off eBay just to try it. <laughs> it's played sort of like an MMO. Really? Remember correctly. I want to try it, but... So then, I go on the PlayStation Network... Uh, and I tried to, like, download Drake's... I never played any of the Drake games, right? Uncharted games. Yeah, I would like to play this. And <laughs> I I put the, the bundle pack in the cart. I'm going to download them and play them, the first two games. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> these games have... take. I can't even download one of the games <laughs> to the PlayStation what? 3 because there's not enough hard drive space. Like you I, can upgrade your hard drive, I think, fairly easy. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean... Like, I think it's made where you can actually upgrade it. It's like a... Like, you buy, like, a PC-type hard drive. Yeah. Where it can, like, slide in. I mean, at that point, I'll just buy a PlayStation 4, right? They're only, like, 200 bucks. Yeah, they're fairly cheap now. But I'm like, man, I'm trying to get back into video games, and it's not working also, out. Also, the PlayStation 4's controller, I believe, is supported on computers now. Yeah. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, it was always a plus for Xbox controllers, because Xbox controllers are basically default PC controllers. Okay. But yeah, so then I go on Steam, and I was just searching and searching, looking for make like an RPG, and Dave uh, recommended I Am Setsuna, which I added to my watch list. I probably will buy that at some point. I'm waiting for it to go on sale. It's 40 bucks right now. But Then I was looking for like a Final Fantasy Tactics type game. I couldn't really find anything that was suiting me. Well, have you heard of PlayStation Now or whatever it's called? Well, it's like... I think you can it's stream. sort of like a Netflix version of the PlayStation Store. Yeah, I have. Um, but I, I can't totally recommend it because I know when it first came out, people said it was choppy because what it does is you don't necessarily download the game, you stream it. Yeah, exactly. But I, I have heard it has gotten better, but I don't know if it's like you get that and you get like a selection of games. It right, might be right. like you get that and it gives you a few free games every month. Yeah. I'm, if... If and when I update my uh, system to a PS4, I probably will look into that for sure. But yeah, well, I think the whole point of it now is you, it works on PC as well. Oh, okay. See, I just hate playing video games on PC because I'm not used to it, and I lose well, I hear you, my but attention. It's just like it's sort of emulating a PlayStation Four. Yeah. Or I don't know. It could be just streaming it because Xbox has a function like that, or like. I could just use my controller, like with the theory that my Xbox is in the living room. Mm-hmm. I could stream from my Xbox onto my computer, and I've, use the same controller, and just 
play Xbox on my PC. Yeah, I just it actually works surprisingly well. Like I thought there'd be like input lag or something. It's really weird. I can only play like simulation games on my laptop because yeah, I play like strategy games. Yeah, because when I I bought Firewatch and I played that for an hour, and I don't know, I just it loses my attention when it's not a controller in hand looking at the TV for whatever reason. Probably just a mental block, but yeah, but yeah. I was thinking about buying a Steam controller. It's sort of like the best shot anyone's ever taken at a keyboard and mouse on a gamepad. I remember seeing and a picture of it. A gamepad. Yeah, but I instead I downloaded some iOS games. Um, I downloaded Dream Quest, which is like a. Almost like a half RPG, half, well, this is going to be more than two halves, but half card battle game like Magic the Gathering or Hearthstone type thing, and part, like, I don't know, what what would you say? But it, you play through the game, and each time you die, you get a, achievements, unlock achievements or awards, which, like, if you do... One thing you get to start the game with three extra health, or yeah. with more gold. Like you, it gives you a better chance to make it farther as you go on. I don't know. It's like one of these things. Uh, I I don't know enough about the gaming tech like terminology, but as you go on, it gets easier. I don't know. It it's kind of cool. It's very um, like very uh not great graphics or not great animation it's like hand drawn stick figures or doodles yeah. i think i know what you're talking but about but it, it works out pretty well um i got into it uh, i'm enjoying it but basically i'm just waiting for fire emblem which i just downloaded before we started this podcast finally the new uh fire emblem game hit ios I'm looking in did you see um them reveal all the nintendo switch stuff you're talking about no it's uh three hundred dollars oh yeah did, did we talk about this last episode i don't know well they revealed it but they didn't give like the details like we talked about uh, uh, we talked about the release date actually yeah with mario and yeah, Zelda. yeah but they've shown like more about the games since it's actually selling me a little more good yeah i'm in I gotta get it. This is the perfect transition for the kids to get into it. For sure. But I'm also playing this game, Pixel Starships. It's not really worth mentioning, other than I'm. It's my current obsession. Where one of these games where I'll probably burn out at some point and stop playing it. But you. I'm gonna make you a list of games that are like, at least at times affordable. Yeah. Or at least like you maybe you can make like a wish list type thing. Like yeah, I know yeah, they have yeah. them on Steam where it'll like let you know if they're on sale. Yeah, I, I I'm like... gonna make you a list of games. <laughs> good, good. I could use it. I'm into JRPGs or like any anything with RPG elements pretty much. Yeah. And yeah. I'll I'll get you like indie games are like they're kind of hard to sell yourself on at first, like especially from our generation of gaming. But there are some really surprisingly good ones out there that you just wouldn't see at face value. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I definitely uh, enjoy like, that. Well, like one for Steam. Or actually, it's probably on PlayStation as well now. It's Terraria. It's sort of like a side-scrolling Minecraft-type game. Oh, yeah. Apparently, I've, it's incredible. I've heard of that, for sure. I own it, but I haven't gotten around to playing it. <laughs> yeah. Actually, my, new, my other new obsession is I just found this website where... <laughs> This is so random, and but exactly up my alley. It's you can first. It's like a Big Brother simulator. You can re-simulate past seasons of Big Brother. You can create your own new seasons of Big Brother with past contestants, and it has all their attributes or whatever. Or, or you can do your own custom season. Like I simulated a season of the people at my work, <laughs> the sixteen people that I work with, and. You can set the relationships, like if you, the, if how much this person likes this uh, person to hate. This is this like person. digital crack for you. Yeah, it really is. I did did one with my uh, some immediate family members, and yeah, I don't know. I just, I it's perfect. It's amazing for me. I'm just gonna keep doing like next. I'm gonna do the Fallon family. <laughs> it's, it's it's stuff like that's fun though. yeah I know and you can like pick a person to be in control of and make decisions with I think I've always liked this game it's really simple and stupid but it's like I forget what it's called exactly but it's like you're a drug dealer or something but it's all text and it's like you essentially start with a certain amount of money and you're in like New York and you travel between the boroughs, and it's just like point and click to whatever. Yeah, I love that. But shit. you like buy and sell it like the stock market essentially, and like as you go, it's like turn based. And as you go, like certain things happen where the price will go up real high, or like you'll get chased, or yeah, I forget what it's called. It's like an old flash game or whatever. <laughs> I've always liked it though. There's like different versions of it too. I'm pretty sure, like just different names yeah see I love that kind of stuff text based games yeah yeah for sure oh alright let's get to the news got some news got Oscar noms we still have to talk about um you ready yeah best picture nominees Arrival Fences Hacksaw Ridge Hell or High Water Hidden Figures, La La Land, Lion, Manchester by the Sea, and Moonlight. And like I said, this is the first time, and we're still three and a half weeks away. This is the first time I've seen every Best Picture nominee before the ceremony. Thanks for the screeners, by the way, studios. I really appreciate that. Um, (laughs) But uh, I think this is a pretty good crop, actually. Um, After getting caught up on a bunch of these like i'm actually really high on 2016 all of a sudden when i was not so high a few weeks ago Hmm. um yeah i think the only two that stick out to me is not deserving the nomination are lion and hacksaw ridge which we'll get to in the future but uh i think la la land has this in the bag and Uh, it's my fourth favorite of of the bunch, but it's not. It's a really good movie. I'm actually writing a series of articles for BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com right now, uh, 
a four-part series. The first part is out where I'm going, uh, taking a look at all the Best Picture nominees, giving my thoughts on them, and then the last part will be predictions of should win and will win and and all that yeah. good stuff. So check that out if you're interested. I think La La Land will win. I think Manchester by the Sea or Moonlight should win here. Yeah. Have you seen any of these? Well, Hell or High Water. I've been saving them. Hell or High Water you saw. Oh, yeah. Well, that's true. (laughs) That's your pick, right? That's my pick. (laughs) (laughs) Best director got Mel Gibson back in the good graces of Hollywood somehow. That's insanity, but uh, he's there. Uh, Doesn't deserve it. Denis Villeneuve for Arrival, Damien Chazelle for La La Land, Kenneth Lodigan for Manchester, and Barry Jenkins for Moonlight. I think Damien Chazelle for La La Land will win, and I think Denis Villeneuve should win. He does a great job with Arrival. Best Actor, Casey Affleck for Manchester, Andrew Garfield for Hacksaw, Ryan Gosling for La La Land, Viggo Mortensen for Captain Fantastic, and Denzel Washington for Fences. It's between Casey Affleck and Denzel Washington. Um, but Affleck. you want Gosling, of course. <laughs> no. no. <He's, laughs> actually, I think he deserves it for the nice guys more than La La Land. But yeah, he's pretty good. I think Casey Affleck deserves it 110%. So I hope he gets it, and he might. Best Actress. Isabel Huppert for Elle, Ruth Nega for Loving, Natalie Portman for Jackie, Emma Stone for La La Land, and Meryl Streep for Florence Foster Jenkins. Uh, I have to say, Amy Adams completely snubbed in this category. There's no way she should have been left out, especially over Meryl Streep and Florence Foster Jenkins. That's a decent little movie that did better than I thought, or was better than I thought it would be, but... She's nothing special in that movie. It's just because she's Meryl Streep. But Emma Stone will win this category. But I think Natalie Portman for Jackie deserves it. And, uh, yeah. I hope so. It seems like it's not too many surprises anymore at the Oscars with all the... There's so many people that love to do these predicting and, uh, all the other awards that lead up to it kind of give it away, but we'll see. Best Supporting Actor, Mahershala Ali for Moonlight, Jeff Bridges for Hell or High Water, Lucas Hedges for Manchester, Dev Patel for Lion, and Michael Shannon for Nocturnal Animals. That was my biggest surprise of the nominees. I think he greatly deserved it. Uh, He was amazing, Michael Shannon. Uh, Jeff Bridges, he was fine in Hell or High Water, but I thought... I don't know, yeah. Ben Foster should have been in his place agreed. here. Agreed. Totally agreed. But what are you going to do? Uh, I think Mahershala Ali for Moonlight should and will win this category. Best Supporting Actress Viola Davis for Fences, Naomi Harris for Moonlight, Nicole Kidman for Lion, Octavia Spencer for Hidden Figures, and Michelle Williams for Manchester by the Sea. Viola Davis has this in the bag. She might as well clear the space on her mantle. <laughs> um, and it, she would deserve it 100%, but Michelle Williams from Manchester by the Sea would get my vote. Um, let's see. Screenplay. Original screenplay. You got Hell or High Water, La La Land, The Lobster, 
Manchester by the Sea and 20th Century Women. Love seeing the lobster on here. Uh, that was a quirky, underrated movie that not enough people saw. Didn't think it would get any love from the Oscars. Glad it did, but uh, I don't know. I know you said you liked it. I want to see it as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's see. Any other standouts here? Um, best original song. Biggest snub of the entire Oscars. No love for Sing Street and Drive It Like You Stole It, which played us into the uh, Redbox Awards a couple weeks back. Uh, unbelievable that it didn't get in. La La Land gets two songs in, while and Trolls gets a song in. <laughs> but Sing Street didn't get the song. It's unbelievable. And also, fucking Your Name, not getting best animation. Really. Oh, yeah, we can talk animated. Kubo and a Two Strings, deserved. Moana, deserved. My Life is a Zucchini, I mean, never heard of it until <laughs> I just read that sentence. Uh, the Red Turtle, which actually I've heard amazing things about. I definitely want to check that out. Um, I think it's it might be Studio Ghibli. I might be wrong on that, but um, yeah, I think it might be his son. Yeah, and there's no dialogue whatsoever. It's like a silent movie. Yeah, about a guy who gets stranded on a beach or something. Castaway Part Two. I want to check it out. And Zootopia definitely deserves it. So no Pixar movies in Best Animated for the first time in a while. Yeah. Which I'm and, fine with. And the uh, anime Your Name, which is the highest grossing anime of all time. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. And apparently incredible. is That's really, I didn't really know about the, it didn't surpass that until recently. So, but I had heard from early on that this was going to be like an Oscar contender. Yeah, I just don't know what you would kick out in its place because apparently all these other ones are really good too. I guess zucchini because I've never heard of it, but that I, that doesn't mean it's not good. Um, you know, it's, maybe it's just politic. Like the director isn't like super, super. Well, probably isn't super well known in the global. Yeah, that's true. Aspect, yeah. And I guess uh, best documentary heard of some of these. So, got fire at sea. I am not your negro. Life animated. OJ made in America, which. Was it a TV show? Was it a movie? I guess it's a movie. And 13th, which I've talked about liking a lot. I would pick 13th out of these, but I bet you OJ will get it because that got a lot of good publicity and for good reason. It was really yeah. well made. Uh, yeah, let's see. That's probably about it. We'll, we'll talk more Oscars after the fact. As far as the box office draft goes... Edgar pretty much put a bow on it yeah. with the nominations. Arrival got him a bunch of, of points. Um, I'd like to say I didn't go out and see any of these movies. <laughs> yeah, you didn't put your money towards it. Yeah. Arrival got him $150 million bonus for the nominations. Manchester C got a $175 million bonus. <laughs> Uh, Sully only got one nominee for $10 million bonus and Rogue One got $20 million bonus for being nominated for two minor categories. You got, actually Deepwater Horizon got two nominees 
two minor nominees yeah. for $20 million bonus. Doctor Strange got a nominee for visual effects, $10 million bonus. And Silence, big surprise, only got one nomination yeah, <laughs> for crazy. cinematography, $10 million bonus. I got a $10 million bonus for Trolls because of that song, like I mentioned. <laughs> I got a... Yeah. What was I complaining about? Uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them got two minor nominations for $20 million. Moana got two nominations for $20 million. And Fences was my best uh, bonus with $125 million in bonus. But, yeah, we're screwed here. Uh, Edgar's over a billion dollars already. And he has Arrival in Manchester, which will probably win some awards. And I'm stuck at $760 million, which it's pretty far back. But then <laughs> you are $287 million. Yeah. You're having a rough season. You're, you might go out of business. <laughs> you might need to take a loan for the summer box office draft to get back in the game. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> But anyway, a couple other news items, actually some big ones. Uh, Finally, the new Star Wars gets its title. Yeah. Episode 8, The Last Jedi. What do you think? I love it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Very, like, classic sounding. (laughs) It's like... But, like, very original at the same time. But who's the last Jedi? Because is it Luke? Is it Rey? Is it Kylo? Didn't think of that, did you? I did. Oh. <laughs> is it... Is it a know, plural? Is it Luke Skywalker? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really could be that, if you think about it, because he could be the last Jedi to train. Yeah. And is it, like, Jedi singular and Jedi plural are the same? True. So Very it could true. be... This whole, the whole crop of them could be the last Jedi. They are sneaky like that. Yeah. But yeah, it's pretty We're, cool. Yes, yeah. I'm just waiting for a trailer. I wonder now. if it's going to rhyme as much as the first one and like Luke be like Obi-Wan. <laughs> yeah. I hope it doesn't go down the line like that. Yeah. And it's Ryan Johnson directing. I think I have faith in him to do something different and something great. Um, let's see. Ben Affleck, no longer directing Bat- the Batman movie. Yeah, still producing and starring. Yeah, this is not a good sign because <laughs> a couple months yeah. ago he said, I'm going to direct it as long as the script is good. And now he's not directing it. What does that tell you? True. Uh, yeah, DC just, they're making some money from these movies, but... Uh, they really falling flat, though. Yeah. Uh, hasn't been too much good news coming out of that universe, but we'll see. Uh, let's see. There's an X-Men TV pilot ordered for Fox with Brian Singer directing at least the pilot episode. Um, this was interesting to me. You got the X-Men-related Legion coming out next week on FX, which I'm really looking forward to, and now... It seems like they, maybe they're turning their focus from movies to TV. This is like actual mm. X-Men. I don't know. Yeah. I'll I'll check it out. I like yeah, it. Yeah, if it's good quality, then I'm cool with it. Yeah. See? And last piece of news. There's a new Termin- Terminator reboot on the way. 
God. We needed that. Uh, the only possible good news is that James Cameron will produce. Uh, and I mean, if it's good, Terminator's cool, but they've just burnt themselves out. Yeah, and the last one, Genesis, was a train wreck. And Tim Miller, director of Deadpool, will be directing it, so huh. maybe he could add some flair. Alright, pre-Judgment Day, we talked about I don't feel at home in this world anymore already. I did like yeah. the looks of it. I'll give it a 7.5 out of 10, pre-judging. Yeah, I'll give it a... Uh, I'll give it an 8. Alright. That's cool. And The Discovery was another Sundance movie that got this trailer treatment. It's got picked up by Netflix. This one's coming out on March 31st. Uh, this is a, like a science fiction movie starring Jason Siegel, Robert Redford, and who else was it? Was it Rooney Mara again? I think it was, but she had, oh, bl- yeah, was. She had blonde hair this time. Uh, the trailer was very vague. Uh, I don't think it really gave you much details. Just a bunch of imagery and ideas of what was going on. Yeah, I mean, it sold me enough that I thought it looked cool. Yeah. I think it's about Robert Redford is a scientist who discovers that the afterlife is real. Hmm. Which sounds a lot like a Black Mirror episode from uh, last year. But uh, I'm willing to give it a shot. Yeah. I'll give it a six and a half out of ten, prejudging. Yeah, same thing. And lastly, Colossal, which stars Anne Hathaway as a depressed woman who wakes up to find out that she is in control of a kaiju monster that is destroying Japan in real life. <laughs> yeah. And who is it? Not Ed Helms, but... Um, or is it Japan or is it Korea? It's probably Korea. It's Korea, yeah. I think she says Seoul. Yeah, Seoul, South Korea. You're right, my bad. That was pretty racist of me. <laughs> but it's got. it seems like it has some humor to it as well. It's not... Like, when I heard the premise, I thought... That sounds like... Could be deadly serious, but they're definitely being lighthearted about it. Yeah, for sure. It's got the guy... Who I always get confused with Ed Helms uh, from Saturday Night Live and Vacation. Jason Sudeikis. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've heard good things about this. It premiered at like Toronto Film Festival at the September of last year. What are you thinking here? Um, I mean, I'm willing to watch it, but I'm not sold on it. Yeah, I'm kind of. I'm not sure you. if. I mean, it could be a kind of like a sleeper hit type thing, but it could just be like trying to, to do a little bit too much. Yeah. But I don't know. It's, it's, I'll give anyone credit for trying something different. Yeah, for sure. I'll definitely watch it. I don't have high hopes, but yeah. could be good. I'll say 6 out of 10. 6 out of 10. Nice. All right. Well, that was a long episode, but we had a, we had a lot to talk about. It was a good episode. What are you going to do? Get off our chest. <laughs> yeah, I really was been holding this in. I mean, my wife certainly didn't want to hear it, so <laughs> I had to tell you. Uh, all right, so yeah, next time on next time on the Red Box Report, we'll be talking about the birth of a nation, the 
Sundance Darling and then Redheaded Stepchild, I guess, uh, or Abused, eh, maybe too soon. Yeah, too soon. <clears throat> movie. Uh, I've seen it. It's. I think it's worth talking about. Um, don't know what the top five is going to be. Yeah, obviously, or else we wouldn't be talking about it. Uh, I don't know what the top five is going to be, but we'll think of something. We'll think of top something. Top five dude. nations birth for revolution. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we'll think of something. I really don't know what we could do. And it's not worth uh, that air to try to figure it out right now. So until next week. We'll see you later. But first, you can know where you can email us. You can email us at theredboxreporteryouthere.com. You can follow us on Twitter at theredboxreport. Follow me on Twitter at the Oriole Report. I'm on Twitter at redboxreport. Like us on Facebook, subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And now we can say goodbye. For you all, but in my mind, I already jump. If I stand still, I cannot get far. They want the moon, I'm on Mars. Sometimes my mind does. When I'm running, I don't want no fear. I'm just sick and tired of running. Some nights I. I am colored Don't act like you was there when you wasn't From learning to exams Job is for a man Don't act like you was there when you wasn't And the law of 